I think leadership is all about sacrifice. And sacrifice is the same word as passion. Passion comes from the Latin word pati, which means sacrifice, literally. I didn't know that. Yeah, so if people tell me that I'm passionate about something and I tell them, how long are you willing to work? Are you willing to work like 24 hours for that? And they say no. Then I say, you're not really passionate for it about it because you're not willing to sacrifice for it where the word passion is derived from. So that's why we have the movie entitled Passion of the Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Because literally passion means sacrifice. So the, the movie means sacrifice of the Christ. That's what it means. Mm. And so as a leader, it's your job to insert passion, your own passion and passionate people into your organization. If you don't do that, if you don't insert people who are willing to sacrifice themselves, hey, guess what? It's going to be politics 101. Yeah. Everyone's going to be looking after their, their own interests. Right. So it's going to be toxic, bad, and no, no one's going to want to work for that, even you. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Carnivera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is episode 59, and the title is The End Game, Leadership Strategies for Building Great Culture, Values, and Teams. Our special guest coming to us from Manila, Philippines, is Sean C. He's an entrepreneur who started a business now called SEO Hacker, a digital marketing enterprise, when he was 22 years old, and he only had 22 U.S. dollars to start the business. He now leads this organization at the age of 32 with 50 team members who are all younger than him. So his workforce, including himself, are millennials and even younger. And he's going to talk about ways to lead the young and future leaders of the world. He's going to talk about the different traits that leaders need to have, the importance of relationships, how you must be able to be authentic and vulnerable with your clients, customers, and your team. He's going to tell us some stories about the leadership lessons he's learned from the Avengers, in particular, Iron Man. He's going to talk about their hiring process, how they bring their core values alive, and the top three things he looks for in hiring people. It's going to be a fun, fascinating conversation about entrepreneurship, business, and most importantly, leadership. Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are back in the Impact Leadership Podcast with Craig Matthews and Jeff Nishwitz, and we have a guest coming from a pretty far distance, folks. This is our most distant guest thus far. Sean C. is coming to us from Manila, Philippines. We were already already chatting about the time difference. He is 12 hours ahead of us. So, Sean, can you just at some point today tell us what's going to happen today? Yeah, because you already right. know. <laughs> what does tomorrow look like? The market's open here in about an hour and a half, so I need to know 
<laughs> I'm actually waiting for the markets to open because I'm invested in the U.S. right now. Yeah. <laughs> so being That's 12 hours ahead, what I could say is um, in, in, yeah, in eight hours, it's going to turn dark there. <laughs> there Perfect. <laughs> well, Sean is a entrepreneur. I mean, at his core, he's an entrepreneur. He started and founded a couple of companies. I know he's CEO of at least two companies right now. One of those companies has an interesting name. It's called SEO Hacker. He's got another company called Queries. Uh, he also hosts a podcast called Leadership Stack. And he is his business is all things digital marketing. And as you're going to hear, Sean's got all sorts of wisdom to bring to us today. And I know we're going to have an interesting conversation. So welcome, Sean. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Glad for you to be here. So Sean, yeah. give us a little bit of the Sean C story. Sean C story. All right. Um, so I, I'm 32 years old. I'm a person of faith, born again Christian. And I started my entrepreneurial journey I would say it's a series of divine interventions. Hmm. I wouldn't say it's an accident or I, I wouldn't say it's pure luck because I couldn't get that lucky that fast. That's really <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so you guys asked me earlier in the pre-show, what, what's up with the SEO hacker name? It's basically a blog. That's how it started. So hmm. I was reading a blog called Life Hacker back then. And pretty cool blog. Yeah. I had a Christian blog called God and You. I was writing about my journey as a Christian, about being single, my faith, apologetics, and not a lot of people were reading my, reading my stuff. So <laughs> I searched in Google, how do I increase my readers and subscribers? And Google kept telling me this thing called SEO. And way back 2009, it was really not in my radar. I had no idea what it was. And here in the Philippines, it only picked up like, four years ago, actually. So wow. I was, yeah, I was pretty ahead of, of, um, of uh, the digital, digital marketing game here in my country. And so I researched about it and there were not a lot of legitimate stuff about SEO then. There's a lot of unethical practices that blogs were telling you to do and were telling you that that worked. I looked a little bit ahead and analyzed that Google was hiring only the best minds. And their mission is to combat spam, bring you the best, most relevant results in the fastest, fastest amount of time. So I said, if I do it unethically, some, some things that Google don't approve of, they're going to catch wind of that someday, right? And they're going to slap the rankings down or they're going to penalize me altogether, take me out of the search results. So I don't want that. I'm going to do it using their guidelines. So that's what I did. And it worked. And everything I was learning, I was just, journaling it in this other blog called SEO Hacker. And people started reading that stuff. They started sharing it. Some people asked me if I could do work for them. I was a freelancer back then, so I did. And work just kept on coming. So I had to hire people, get my first office, you know how it is. And, um, but not, there was nothing glorious about how I started up. I didn't have a good office. I started out with 1,300 pesos. That's like 21 US. 22 US dollars. That's it. Wow. Um, and I worked in my parents' attic. Really, it's a um, stuffed up attic. I had allergic rhinitis and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't nice. There were no carpeted floors and <laughs> nice offices. There it's was like no the garage, water cooler. But it's the attic. <laughs> yeah. So 
yeah, that's, that's how I, how I started is um, really humble beginnings had nothing. And um, I would say it's just a series of, of divine interventions. Wow. Well, I don't oh, think it's hard. that unusual, Sean. I mean, I think if you hear most entrepreneur stories, very few had a beautiful beginning. <laughs> they were all in somebody's basement or somebody's attic or somebody's yeah. garage. Uh, I remember yeah. Yeah. one of the best entrepreneurial stories I heard years ago. There was a, a woman who started a business in Northeast Ohio area, and it was vacuum repairs. And she couldn't afford rent and the warehouse. So she lived in the warehouse for three years, uh, literally wow. with a cot in the office, because that was her choice. Her choice was have an apartment or start a business. And she started yeah. a business. So I think that's, that's Smart more the choice. norm for entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So Sean, it's before we start, norm. right. Well, that's, that's true. Well, that's true. They yeah. all think that is exactly right. They all hear about the, you know, the well-funded startup yeah. that got, you know, a hundred million dollars and they've got these incredible yeah. offices. But the truth is most of the times that story started the same way as yours did. Yeah. No one yes. just heard that part of the story. By the time they got there and they had started with their credit, maxing out their credit cards and a few yeah. dollars, and then oh they got God. to a point that they built something that was fundable. It's yeah. funny how people, you know, you got to dig a little deeper to get the real story, which is what we're going to do here today. Yeah. So I have to ask, Sean, in the, in the theme of getting into this deeper story, you mm-hmm. got to tell us about that wall behind you. <laughs> not everybody's seeing this. This is this is audio right now. You have a couple, several shelves there. Looks like you're a bit of an Avengers fan. I am 100. <laughs> so, um, growing up, my dad had like one or two comic books about them. I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in a in a rich family background, so we we really uh, didn't have much. And my, I would say, like we were. We I grew up. My dad was not rich back then, bordering poor, and then he just uh, kind of worked his way up, didn't have a college degree, but really uh, started as a, how do you call it in English? I would say um, he was a hired hand for mm-hmm. a, a, a warehouse selling hardware. So he would carry back breaking loads of hardware to and fro the trucks. And mm. sooner than later, because it's his uncle who owned the business, uncle asked him hey do you want to do the business do you want to sell some stuff that i have and so he founded his own company grew it um and that's my family background Hmm. so when i read my first comic book which my dad was a fan of i was hooked and i would read and (laughs) and then we had the movies and they launched uh, these um figures i don't collect everything i just buy the ones that i like so but (laughs) Yeah, apparently I like a lot of them. So you like Iron <laughs> Man? Build up. <laughs> yeah, I do like Iron Man. <laughs> Who well, doesn't, know, right? That's kind of interesting segue because just as you were speaking, Sean, as Craig knows, I love movies, and you just made me start thinking about so much leadership lessons hmm. in the Avengers series. Huge. I think so often it's dismissed as comics, and so many people say, "I don't watch that stuff." It is loaded with leadership. I mean, there are some incredible and leader mistakes too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the part. You know, you can see some of the the human dynamics that happen where you could say, Man, that's you, you just lost your leadership edge right there. 
Yeah. I think it's, you know, for me, leadership is easy to see and easy to see where it's missing. And we can <laughs> see it anywhere, including right. yeah. in the Avengers series. Yep. Yep. I mean, in fact, I got to say this because it just popped in my head. What, what was the last movie? I forget the name of the last Endgame. Infinity War? Endgame. Oh, Endgame. That's right. Yeah. Endgame. You know, because yeah. my son and I had this discussion about um, Captain America. Why could, why could he pick up Thor's hammer? Yeah. <laughs> well, and my son had a thing. Pardon? In the comics, he could. So. Well, right. I mean, my son had a theory that something had shifted, and I said, no, it's because he believed he could. <laughs> I think it comes back to, you know, maybe, you know, yeah. Yeah. Whoever's worthy, right? So, yeah, who's worthy? Yeah. So it's some deep stuff. So we're not here to talk about Avengers, but I had to ask about your wall. Yeah. <laughs> it, it stands out, Sean. But we're all superheroes, and that's, that's the story here. <laughs> you know, what has it been for your business and in a different part of the world? What has COVID, how has it impacted your business and how you do business? So most of our clients are local companies. The reason behind is I find that, you know, maybe you're wondering, um, you're running a di digital company, so why don't you have like a lot of U.S. clients and um, Australian clients? I find that it's difficult to keep a long-term relationship with companies abroad if you don't have a local presence there or local representative. That's because the contract doesn't bind. While I love working with local companies here because we have a good contract, we have face-to-face -face relationships pre-pandemic, or I know a lot of people here in my network as well, and that's because... I do the podcast and a lot of other stuff and I'm part of other organizations as well. And it's just most of my clients have been with me like seven years. Uh, my, my longest time client has been with me since I was a freelancer. So that's like 10 years already. Mm -hmm. And they're still with us today. And I love, that's why I love dealing with them. But how the pandemic has affected that is mostly through our collections. So we couldn't collect, right? Because if they're not collecting or they're not selling mm -hmm. that well, it's difficult for them to pay us on time. So our collectibles, our receivables have been lagging for like two, three months. Mm. Some haven't paid since January. So wow. there's the worst of them. And it has also affected how we close deals. I used to close like three clients a month. Now I'm closing like one a month. Mm. Yeah. So what did you, so talk about, you spoke about relationships, which is fantastic. That's something that's very critical to Craig and I. Talk about how you approach your clients during this pandemic. You know, how did you communicate with them? What, what was different? What was the same? Well, in terms of collecting with clients, we approach them very strategically with the emails that we send out. We noticed that April and May were the most difficult months for us, March, April, and May, because no one was paying. Zero percent of our clients paid and had to take out from our safety net and fund the company and pay my people because you cannot not pay your people. And they also like, we don't have the relief that you guys have in the U S we have mm -hmm. zero, almost zero relief here. Or if we do it's per barangay, meaning it's per like subdivision. And if you get some, then you're lucky. If you don't, then that's normal. It's like that here. So the government is really looking to small to medium entrepreneurs like myself to help the workforce or help the less fortunate people. 
So it was upon our shoulders to do that. And I had to, I have to pay my people. I love them. I cannot not pay them. Right. So I had to take out from the safety net and we have to be very strategic in how we communicate with the client. We can't just tell them, Hey, pay, pay up. Cause we know that they might be in the same boat. Right. So we have to, we had to craft the email carefully. We, we, it took quite a while for us to do it. We chose the words very carefully, how we're going to be saying that we're partners. We understand you relationship comes first. We also want you to know that we are, we are in the same boat as you are. So if there's any way that you can pay so we can keep your website up and running, because that's the only thing that people could see right now, they can't go out. They only have their phones with them. Your billboards aren't working. Your TV commercials <laughs> probably aren't working because a lot of people might not be able to pay their cable. They only have free data bandwidth. They cannot see your news magazine, newspaper ads because they don't want to get stuff from the outside into their houses. So this is pretty I much the only think thing about people newspapers. can see. Yeah. Wow. And, and, yeah, and and we communicated that way. Some people, some some of our clients paid after that. Some didn't, and that's fine. And we still, you know, did the hard thing of just maintaining their side. Everything we put relationship first, hmm. and we communicated that as well. And yeah, it was difficult, but I'm sure like, I'm sure you guys also had experienced the, some of the same problems that we went through, but relationship is key because if we didn't have a good relationship with them, even if we sent out, out that email, some, some of them might just feel offended and just yeah. said, screw it. Right. So, yeah. Wow. I, I heard three very powerful things <laughs> in that shot. Number one, and you repeated it a couple of times was relationships are important, but you more specifically said we put relationships first. Yeah. And, and it'd be easy, including for me to say, well, but relationships come first, even if someone's not paying you. And what I heard you say really tied to another one, which is you said, we're going to put our people first. They mm-hmm. are first and we're going to act like it, not just say it. And I love and, my people. And I love my people. And yeah. the third one that jumped out at me, which I think a lot of people miss was, I'm going to call it an authenticity and a vulnerability in saying to your clients, look, we're in the same situation. Because I think that, that there's a risk in that, right? I mean, it's true, but there's a risk because what if someone says, well, wow, if they've got this issue, maybe I need to find someone who doesn't have this issue. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard sometimes in our in, in leaders to just acknowledge, hey, we've got a struggle too. I'm in the yeah. struggle. Yeah. Was that part of your discussion as to whether you would share that? Yeah. I think that any smart entrepreneur as well, or smart counterparts, we call them negotiation counterparts or account managers counterparts. They're smart enough to know that we're pretty much on the same boat. They couldn't collect. We couldn't collect. We have to pay our people. We have this huge uncertainty staring us in the face. We just don't know when things are going to get better. And we know that's not soon. So we are pretty much in the same boat and you can't get away from that. You can't, you can't say anything else because that's going to be demeaning to their intellect. Mm. Wow. Now, do you have any, any phone calls with, with folks just saying, Hey, I'm just checking in trying to, you know, just making sure you're okay. See if there's anything else that we can do to support you. 
I don't have that personally. I think that we're the ones who should be doing that to our clients. So we don't have a lot of suppliers that supply SEO hacker. Okay. It's mostly just us service, servicing the clients and we'll, that's what we have. So our, our account managers do that every so often. They're okay. fantastic at what they do and they take care of the clients really well. Gotcha. Yeah. Sean, I'm really curious because I'm always trying to understand if there are cultural differences and what those are, including in business. And uh, for example, uh, last fall I spoke in Germany and I was speaking mm -hmm. on leadership and I started off by saying, it was actually before I started, I thought, well, what if their experience is different? So I, I started off with a joke. So I got up and I said, look, I'm coming here. I came from the United States to share with you all the wisdom that we have on leadership. And they all started laughing. And I said, yeah, I know. It's pretty funny, isn't it? And I said, well, I'm guessing that you here don't have leadership issues. And they all started going, oh, my God, we do. I'm so I'm curious. Uh, in, in the part of the world where you live, in the Philippines in particular, one of the biggest challenges Craig and I are seeing in the U.S. is the survey results are in. Perhaps the most critical leadership trait today is vulnerability. And it is the one that terrifies leaders the most here, at least in the U.S., and that we typically see the, la the least. So tell us about how that that exists or doesn't exist where you're doing business off the record no, i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well no stop we'll stop the no just no name you know that we're partnered with china and, and russia right now right i mean our president that's um, well no yeah, this he, is really in business I, I mean we don't have it doesn't have to be a political comment it's more in the business world got it got it yeah yeah, yeah. i would say not a lot of companies do or show vulnerability when it comes to leadership. And this is why it is so important for people like me as well, doing the podcast or consulting, telling the leadership that, hey, if your people see that you're authentic, honest, especially the millennials, all the way to the younger generation, which most of your workforce are, by the way, <laughs> what they're looking for is authenticity. Yep. And vulnerability, that's exactly authenticity in a way that they can relate to and in a way that they would respect more. Mm. So it's, it's the same here. Not a lot of companies get that. And that is because of the difficulty in getting a better position and in getting better influence going up the ladder. You get used to that kind of political play. And that's true for a lot of big companies here, especially. So how I'm personally doing it in my company is we keep on repeating that we want transparency, honesty, both ways. Because as, as the CEO and founder, I find, I find that not a lot of my people are also honest and open with me. And mm -hmm. the reason is they're, they're scared or they're afraid. And I right. can't have that because if you don't tell me what's wrong, then I'm blindsided by whatever it is you're thinking. And at the right. same time, it is difficult as well for a lot of leaders to do that. And that's mostly because of ego. So we have a lot of books on that, um, right? Ryan Holiday, ego is the enemy. So you have to learn to deal with that as an entrepreneur. It's the same here as it is there, as it is, I think, in other parts of the world. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, one other question about that, Sean. Sure. It might be hard to compare the U.S. I don't know how much you've dealt with U.S. businesses, but in the U.S., 
I would say the culture, many leaders today grew up in a culture that said, especially men, especially Mm -hmm. men, that's not what you do. So doing that in business is really counter to everything they've been taught. So how is the cultural, what's the cultural impact on business leadership like in the Philippines? I would say that there are organizations here where the politics is really, really bad. And I've heard a lot of those companies from my own people who have had experience from the outside. And usually that's why they leave. They don't leave because of the money. They don't leave because of bad peers. They don't leave because of bad politics. 40% of the time, it's because of bad leadership. So that says a lot because turnover is very, very expensive, costs a lot of time, money, opportunity, and effort for you to train another person who will replace a good hire, a supposedly good hire, but became bad because you were fooling around as a leader, right? Or you had too much ego. So, yeah. Wow, so it's interesting. You know, one of the things that Jeff and I look at as, as we get into the leadership training side of things is that we, we see that studies have shown basically 85% of success comes back to interpersonal skills and your, your personal integrity and character. Whereas where, where do companies spend their money on training? It goes into that 15% of skills, the technical skills. And yet if we help our leaders actually become better, quote unquote, better people, Mm-hmm. then that would have a much bigger impact on the organization. Um, with, with what you see, do you see kind of the same thing that, that most people are being trained for the technical side rather than the interpersonal skills? I would say so. Yeah. I, I, that's what I notice with especially big companies here. Small companies, I would say they don't do a lot of training. <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> good, good call, Sean. That's what, I, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Small to medium, I would, I would say they, are, they think of themselves as school of hard knocks, which is great, but you cannot just say that there's, because there's no problem with our culture. We're all transparent. There's no politics. You can't just say that and, and be all right with it and fine <laughs> with it and not have any training anymore. Right. So, there are a lot of things that will make you better as a team. We do have workshops and seminars in our team. So I can only share what really I'm doing, right? I, mm-hmm. I can't really speak for a lot of other companies, but what I, say, what I see and hear and experience is they don't do a lot. The SMEs don't do a lot of training. The big companies, you're right with that, Craig. They do a training, uh, trainings, but more on the hard skills, certifications more on the hard skills, not the soft skills, not in the communication, interpersonal, interpersonal skills, or in the EQ. Yeah. So in, in, in SEO Hacker, what we do is um, we have the Strengths Finder 2.0. Every regular team member goes through that. Mm-hmm. And then my wife, who is a, um, a brilliant psychology graduate, she coaches them uh, one by one. Awesome. Something, yeah, she is fantastic with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really not good at it. But I'm, I'm RMP certified, Reese Motivation Profile. So that's the scientific way of quantifying and qualifying someone's desire, how strongly their desire is for power, for status, for family, for honor. So huh. I've not is, heard of that before. It is really good. I, I, I'd recommend it if you want to get certified so you can use it for your team, you understand mm-hmm. it. Really good. 
Also, uh, one thing that I'm doing, going to be doing this year is after I'm done with doing it with each and every one of my people, I'm going to do it as a group and point out to them that these are our conflicting desires. These people have low striving for honor, meaning they're expedient. They want to do things fast, even if it's in a gray area, that's fine for them. But we have people here who are, who really desire to do things honorably. You got you to gotta talk whenever you're working on a project, because mm. if not, you're going to have a big conflict right there. So we do invest in these things. So I invested in my certification, my wife did with hers, and we mm-hmm. pay for people's tests because so, RMP, every time you take the test, I pay for that. Every time you take the Strengths Finder, we pay for that. So mm-hmm. um, that's what we do for our team. Also, we're very, we're very, how do you say it? We're very um, intentional with our culture. Everyone has to Excellent. memorize all six of our core values. And we ask them every Monday, randomly via Zoom to recite. I know some of them are <laughs> reading it off screen, but... We ask them, close your eyes and recite it. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's great. important is, you know, everyone knows it, everyone practices it. And they know that when, when the time comes that I'm going to review them, if they want a promotion financially, is that's going to matter. That is wow. tied up with how we promote. That is tied up with, with, with if I'm going to fire you or with if yeah. you're going to get some, some, some slap in your, in your um, career with us. So it's tied up with everything. That's, uh, we're very intentional with our, with our culture. That's, that that's really good. We took that literally as far as hiring is concerned because we have a core value exam before we hire you. And mm-hmm. I wrote the 80, 80 questions there myself. And it's a wow. scale where people answer, um, I strongly disagree or I disagree, neutral, agree, strongly agree. And based on their answers, we literally decide not to get them or to get them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they can't game it? They can because they, like, the questions are super difficult. And it's, I wrote the entire questions in my book. It's out on Amazon, 50X okay. Your Business. Um, let me see if I could pull up some of the questions I wrote there. But one of our core, core values, for example, is unity. Hmm. And I have questions there in my book, 50X Your Business where the question is, if I have a problem with the management, I let my emotions flow out by taking it, by talking about it with my peers. So if they <laughs> say strongly agree, that's a negative two for them. Um, if they say agree, that's a negative one. And right. yeah, basically the, the scale is from, you can score a negative 20, which is really bad, or <laughs> a positive 20, which is the best. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have 80 questions. Wow. And um, literally, they have to go through this. And we really accept or deny an applicant based on the car value exam. Wow. Which I that wrote. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's I love novel. it when people live what they, say, what they talk about. <laughs> yeah, we, we really do this because hiring is the worst, th- the worst mistake that <laughs> I have had for a long time. I'm a really bad hire. I suck at hiring. That's because I have a weakness and strength, it's both a strength and a weakness. I trust people too much. Mm. So if you trust the right people, oh man, you just, you're just gonna fly. But if you trust the wrong people, they're just gonna destroy you. So wow. I had a lot of hiring mistakes when I was starting out and that's because my hiring process was really bad. So today I'm the final interview mm. and people only get to me after they're done with the entire six 
point hiring process, which is wow. a very long hiring process. A lot of our applicants are not used to it, but like only I think 5% gets to me. By the time they get to me, they're hired. They just don't know it. <laughs> and I'm just there to, to sell them that we're going to hire you for this amount, but we're going to promote you anyway after X number of months. So gotcha. I just need to sell them about the, the salary that they're getting because we usually hire only minimum wage people. Hmm. Even if they're experienced, we don't care. But if you're not going to stick through the mud with a minimum wage, we know that you're just trying to get in for a 15, 30 pay. And we don't like those kinds of people. We want yeah. people who really want to work and play for SEO Hacker. If you're yeah. that person, you're going to grind through the, through the six months with a minimum pay and you're going to be happy. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that. And mm. if you are that, then you get a promotion immediately after the six months when you become a regular employee. Mm. Wow. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartevera. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartevera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartevera.com. Welcome back. You've That's used the word a couple of times, Sean, that I really like, not just the word, but you're living it, which is being very intentional. Yeah. Everything you're saying, you're intentional about culture, you're intentional about hiring, you're, you, you really invested in creating that assessment. You're intentional, mm -hmm. like, you know, with that startup, you're going to start at this pay for this period, because that's going to tell us if you're the right person, the type, yeah. you've got what it takes. I love that. And the, the assessment you talked about, what's the initials again, Reese? Um, G, G, uh, we call it Gruce, G-R-U-C-C-E. Grit, respect for work. So I'm going to qualify it for you. Grit is all about making mistakes and getting up. Mm. That's great. Respect for work is about submitting things on time and being on time. Mm. Unity is all about saying no to gossip, no to unresolved conflict, no to having a misdirection in terms of vision. The five enemies of unity, we have to battle it, battle it out every day. And that's what unity means. Why this is so important to us is because of the Belgian draft horse. One horse can pull eight tons. Two horses can pull 24 tons. <laughs> yeah, it's more than the sum, right? But two horses who grew up together, trained together, guess what? They can pull 32,000. You get an extra horse for no cost just because they're united. So I, we want that magic. And mm. these are the things that we keep repeating every day, right? Uh, every week to our people so that it gets into their heads. Um, C is challenger, and that's about working hard, going the extra mile. During the time of Christ, Jesus Christ, you usually accompany a visitor for one mile. That's your duty. You do it out of respect and honor and duty. But if you accompany them on the next mile, which means you're going to go home alone for two miles, right? If you accompany on the, on the next mile, that's no longer required of you. You, get no, you, get, you don't get any less honor for not accompanying them on the second mile. So that's where we get the phrase going the extra mile. Right. Challenger is all about going the extra mile for mm. our clients, for our team members, for our share, shareholders. Um, we have clarity because we believe that a wrong word can be as disastrous as anything today, especially because we have 
written words going everywhere, Messenger, Slack, whatever, right? Yeah. And then lastly, E is experimentation. We don't like the word innovation because a lot of people here in our country don't understand it that well. <laughs> I like that. I like that shift in the word. Yeah. So we, we kind of like dumbed, dumbed it down to just experimentation. And that's all about being okay to try something new in the spirit yeah. of having a positive outcome. Love that word for that. Yeah, that is a new one for me as well. Wow. Okay. There's, there's another word you've used, Sean, and <clears throat> you said there's an assessment you use with your company, like RMP or RPM. RMP, Reese Motivation Profile. <laughs> oh, okay. And one of the pieces in that was something I don't see in assessments. I've not seen that, which is honor. Mm, is yeah. that, did you get that concept from the assessment or is that within your, you talked about respect and honor. That's, that's a big one. Where'd that come from? The RMP has 16 basic desires. And um, Dr. Reese has scientifically done this test. He surveyed a lot of people. So this RMP is accepted by the scientific community. He says we have 16 basic desires. One of them is honor. And there are people who have a strong desire for honor. There are people who are expedient or very weak desire for honor and want to do things the easy way, shortcuts, gray area. If you're a, high, a person with high striving for honor, you're the kind of person who wants to do things well. You're the kind of person who honors your parents. You're the kind of person who ha lives through a moral code or moral standard. And the RMP doesn't say one is good, one is bad. It just shows you that these are your 16 basic desires. These are your hmm. strong desires. These are your weak desires. And this is where you're just like everyone else. Sometimes you're strong, sometimes, sometimes you're weak, meaning you're in the middle. So honor is, um, you would like someone who has high honor in your accounting department. That's yeah. how we use it for work in business, yeah. right? Because you wouldn't want someone who is expedient handling your money. Your CFO, in my opinion, should high, have high honor. Comes back to trust. So, yeah. So one thing I'm always curious about with leaders, Sean, is humility. You know, there's a lot of, <laughs> I sometimes think it is a unique experience in the U.S. because I've been around long enough to have watched uh, our pop culture talks for a long time, sort of preach this model of superheroes with a lot of hubris and ego and, you know, they're out front and doing it alone. And humility is often hard to find in leadership. So yeah. talk about the role of humility in your leadership and, and where did you get that humility? I would say I'm a work in progress. I would say like, <laughs> Good answer. honestly, right? I'm a work in progress. My people are honest enough. Some of them are honest enough to point my blind sides to me and when Good. I make mistakes. My Exacom, which includes my wife, my brother, and my sister, they have no, they don't hold back, right? They just tell me, <laughs> you suck there, and you should have been more humble when you're, when you're talking there. And so I learned from them, and I would say I'm a work in progress. The humility, where I get it from, I would say from reading God's Word. Mm. Reading the Bible is a, is a big deal for me. Also, when I... Um, when I see how my people work, 
and how much they're doing. And I, I reflect, I think that that has a lot to do with it. When you reflect how much you're really doing versus mm-hmm. how much everyone else in your team is doing. And you know that they're really good at some things that you're not. And you know that what you're good at is only in a few little things and you can't go the, the road alone. That, that brings humility into my mind. So it's, I think just taking a step back, reflecting and thinking about your people, hmm. that, that does a lot for me. Wow. It's so good that you have people that can, can actually build into your lives that, that expose your, your uh, blind spots. And that's something that Jeff and I talk about a lot, but it's, it's not always, it's, it's not easy, right. To, to always mm-hmm. be there and, and get that from, from the people that you've probably care for the most saying, Hey, you, you know, you messed up here, you messed up here, yeah. but <laughs> it's like, Talk okay, all right. <laughs> wow. well, you, you did say Sean, that your wife coaches the entire team. You didn't say she coached you. <laughs> oh, she does. She does. She's, she's oh, she, the best coach for me. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's good for you that your relationship can withstand that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, between the two of us, me and my wife, she's super kind. She's like, honestly, I could say I could get away with stuff with her. That's how kind she is. That sometimes I should already be on my knees begging her for, for forgiveness. <laughs> but she turns out, that she's forgiven me already so that's how kind she is and she's also honest with me so i'm blessed to have a wife like that where she's not only smart she's not only investing in her knowledge of of our strengths and coaching and she also is honest with me and she's very kind and so that allows me to open up to her a lot and to listen to her with her opinions on how i could have handled things better Mm, sounds like first corinthians 13 amen (laughs) Yeah, that she is, that she is. So Sean, in your telling of your story at the beginning, you shared something that I'd like to hear a little more about. You talked about your father's journey, mm-hmm. uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, the work he did and then starting a business. I'm curious, you know, what did what'd you learn from your father and from his journey that are feeding you and your journey of business? My father is the typical Filipino Chinese. When the first Chinese people moved here in the Philippines, that was a time when China was very messy. It's messed up. The politics, the wars, and the warlords, it was not pretty. And Mm. It was my great-grandfather who came here, both my mom and dad's side. I'm pure Chinese, pure-blooded Chinese, but... I'm Pinoy as Pinoy can get, you know, because I've, I'm the fourth generation here. I don't speak a lot of Chinese anymore. I speak good English and good Tagalog, but not good Chinese. <laughs> so um, I learned that my dad, he worked very hard. My dad is a person who has high honor, hmm. I would say, because even if he's, his dad, his own dad, my grandfather, left them for another woman, he would still visit my grandfather and he would still bring food, and he would still go there on special occasions such as my grandfather's birthday. When, it w- when I reflect about it, if that was me, and my dad left me when I was in grade school, and I had to carry back breaking loads of stuff just to feed my two other brothers, two mm-hmm. siblings, my dad's the eldest, I probably wouldn't do what, he, what he's doing. So that taught me a lot about how he honors his, his father. 
with his hard work and he had me work for him also. So in grade school, I would also carry hardware back to and from the truck, but I would enjoy that, right? Cause I'm a kid and I, I was really, I didn't really have to make a living out of it. It was more fun <laughs> for me than anything. Um, high school, I had to do some secretarial stuff in the office and during college, I had to help him sell. Hmm. That was the worst part. Selling hardware is not, <laughs> it's not easy. I would rather carry the back breaking loads of hardware to and from the trucks. <laughs> so what happens is you drive to this dirty hardware store by the corner, right? And it's, it's, it's dirty. It's messy. It's hot. They don't have air conditioning. The purchasing agent will not give you a good area. He or she would have you wait out in the sun. And when it's your turn to now sell your products, she would buy one or two cans of paint and the sandblaster and that's it. And wow. my quota would be a million pesos, which is like 20,000 US um, to sell. And I would get 1%. That's how much I get. So mm. it was difficult. I told myself, if I graduate from college, I don't see myself doing this. I don't see myself running the business because I'm the eldest as well. I will not be able to do it like how my dad is doing it. So thank God for my startup journey. I worked five months. <laughs> I worked Freedom. five months. Freedom, yeah. I mean, right now when I sell, I go to a nice office. There's coffee, there's air conditioning, a good conference table, Wi-Fi, everything, right? So it's a huge blessing for me, but huge respect for my dad. Because he's yeah. been doing that for like 30 plus years already. So that respect from me to my dad will never go away. All I need to think about is when push comes to shove and my business is gone just like that, am I willing to slug it out like my dad did? Hmm. One day I talked with him and I asked him, why do you do this? Why don't you, why don't you try other businesses? Because there's a lot of other businesses that you can try or other opportunities. And you, what, what he told me was a little bit shocking because he said, I didn't graduate anything from college and this is the only thing I know how to do. So this is what I'm doing and that's it. Hmm. And so I told him just um, last year that, Hey, you know, if you want to retire already, especially now, now with the pandemic and everything, it's difficult seeing him still leave the house, hmm. going to the provinces and selling and then coming back home after two, two days. It's difficult for me to see that. So recently we talked about him retiring and I'm going to be supporting him anyway, um, because SEOAC is doing well by God's grace. And his business, on the other hand, is, is okay, but it hasn't grown really. So we're, we're planning out his retirement already uh, with that. And also my brother and my sister opted to work for SEO Hacker and not continue his business. So he's kind of liquidated. Yeah. Wow. So you, you kind of have a family business there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Turned out to be. I, I wasn't planning that one. But <laughs> now, how does that work? So I, I'm, I'm really curious. When you have your siblings in the, in the office with you and your wife is there too, how do other people who are not part of your family look at that? Is that something that, um, that they see there's a difference, there's a divide, or is it totally okay? As far as I can tell with my people, and we, we do have like 50 people who are millennials or younger in the company. I'm the oldest guy. I'm, I'm 32. They're all younger than me. As far as I can tell with how we interact with them, they're perfectly fine with it. In fact, I think they're happy that it's that way. And that's because 
we couldn't be more different. Me and my siblings and my wife. I'm I'm a very high dominant guy. If you know the DISC spectrum, yep. I'm um I'm a 19 point D, one point I, one point S, and one point C. So I'm extremely dominant that way. <laughs> and how how I deal with people is just task oriented. This is done. When 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 can this be done? Why has this not been done? I'm more of like that, and I'm very I'm very intricate about the outcome and output of the work. I lack in the area where I ask people, how are you doing? How's your family? How's your girlfriend? How's your relationship with your loved one? How's your dog? I'm, I really lack that area. That part, I think my brain is just hardwired to automate it in such a way where if I don't need to do it, I'm not going to do it. But if I need to do it, I'll do it. So I keep on missing that point. My wife, my sister, and my brother, they're fantastic with that. My wife, number one. My sister's number two. My brother's number three. We're super different in how we do things and in how we lead. And I think that is actually a comfort to my people that, oh, thank God. Thank God they're so different. Thank God they're all not like Sean because <laughs> it's hard dealing with Sean as a boss. That, that's what I know. I mean, I'm being honest. Um, and this is why I told you I'm a work in progress, right? So yeah. it's hard having me as a boss, I would say so. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I can de- definitely relate. <laughs> so Sean, as we're, we're getting here near on time, I always like to ask this question of our guests. I've asked you a lot of questions. Craig's asked you a number of questions. Is there a question we haven't asked you relating to leadership, entrepreneurship? Uh, what, do, what do our guests need to hear that we haven't asked about? I think one thing that might be helpful for your audience would be what we look for in a hire. So I know that a lot of companies right now have lost people or have let go of people and are hiring people. They're either one or the other or both. And hiring is, as I mentioned, one of the biggest mistakes that I've ever committed. It's also one of the best things that I've learned to do Mm. and improve in my company's processes. And I take my hiring, um, the main principle from Patrick Lencioni, where he says, that he looks for three things, humble, hungry, and smart. Humble means that the person can take correction. The person is, and how you look at, how you find about, find out about this during the interview process is ask the person, like, what's the worst thing you've ever done in an office or in, in your work? What's the worst project you have ever put, committed to? What's the best success you've had that turned out to be a huge failure because it was a mistake doing it? If they tell you the whole story or if they look at you in the eye and tell you that, you know, I really feel bad about this, you would see their humility right there. And that for me is important because people make mistakes Mm -hmm. and it's okay to make mistakes with an SEO hacker. It's just that please learn from the mistakes. Please evaluate, (laughs) right? Evaluate your experience because if you don't, there's two kinds of mistakes I don't like. Repeated mistakes and fatal mistakes. Fatal mistakes is when, when someone dies or you lose a client. You lose money. And why I don't like it? Because someone's going to lose their job. Mm. That's why I don't. And repeated mistakes, why I don't like it is because you did not evaluate the experience and I paid for your tuition there. Plus, it leads to fatal mistakes. Mm. That's why I don't like those two kinds of mistakes. So... If you're not humble, you will not learn and you will not be able to evaluate the experience. Hence, you will 
make a lot of repeated mistakes. Mm. We don't want that in our organization. Hungry would be people who we know have drive, ambition, a healthy amount of drive, a healthy amount of ambition, so much so that when they come to a team, they're asking questions. If they don't, if they don't ask questions, there's a bad sign for me. So <laughs> really it is. I have rejected an applicant because he or she did not ask me any questions. And totally makes sense. he or she was, yeah, on the final interview with me, he, he or she has gone through like the entire shebang, you know, the six step hiring process. You endured that, but you failed to ask me any one question. <laughs> that for me does not say that you're hungry. Right. Also, another way to look at a person's hunger is from their resume or from their background. If they're rich, um, their family's rich, the hunger probably isn't there. And that's not their fault. It's just because they're rich and there's no way they're going to be hungry in your organization that is good for you long-term as a business. Hmm. So that is something that we also look at. And lastly, smart. And we're not talking about brain or IQ smart. We're talking about smart in dealing with people. Hmm. Can they communicate well? Do they hold eye contact well? Is their facial expression consistent with what they're saying or is it not? Are they, do they have good body language? Do they express themselves well? Are they clear in making sure that you get what they're saying? Hmm. So we look at that kind of smart as well as their, in Tagalog, we call it discarte. In English, it's um, their, um, how do you say it? Their confidence hmm. in getting around things. In, in their, their capability on how to make you do things that they want you to do on their will and influence on other people. We look at that. So those are three critical things that we have to have when hiring. And that, that just tells you why only 5% or less makes it to me, right? Because we have a lot of things that we look at when we hire people. So, and the important thing about all of these things is there's a lot of digital marketing companies, a ton, especially here in the Philippines, a ton. And a lot of them are good. A lot of them are good. But none of them have a fantastic team. Hmm. None of them. And that's because we invest in our people this way. That is our separator. Not to mention we rank number one for SEO Philippines for that keyword. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we're number one there. And we make sure that our team also is the best it can be. One thing that we did early on when we were figuring out the core values and how we're going to make it real with perks for our people is we printed out jackets. It's a red jacket. It's, there's an SEO hacker logo and okay. we put Velcros on the arms and at the wow. back. So the three at the back are patches for how long you've been in SEO hacker. If you get a silver patch, that means you've wow. been with us for more than two and a half years. If you get the gold patch, that means you've been with us more than three years. If you get the platinum patch, that means you've been with us more than five years. Wow. So everyone knows that you're like the senior here, right? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we put the um, core values on the arms patch. So we printed out, well, not printed out, but we had it soon out. Yeah, we had it soon out. So it's a piece of patch, a real patch, like mm -hmm. a military patch that we put on you every quarter. We have a voting session. And the team leaders vote for people in their team and in the other teams who they believe is most worthy to be awarded for that core value. Wow. And we have perks for that. For example, with the grit core value, 
you can choose if you want to have another paid vacation leave, paid sick leave, or paid emergency leave, I think, or, or just paid vacation and paid sick leave for the year. So you have a plus one leave, which is paid. And, wow. and that's a big deal because, I, you know, as an organization, we will pay for that. Um, it's a real perk. With respect for work, if you get that patch, you can choose to work from home um, one day a week, I think. During wow. that time, that was a big deal. But now we're all working from home. It's not a big deal <laughs> but right. yeah, so um, that's wow, how that we tied so up. cool. And so where, where, when do these people wear the jackets? They can wear it any, any time, any day they want, actually, when they're in the office or not. But it's just better if you wear them in the office because then people recognize you or the probationary employees would okay. ask questions like, what's that in, on your jacket? And then they learn that it's the wow. core value and, and has real perks. And it just spreads like that. The core values, the importance of practicing them spreads naturally without me having to remind them every day. But we, wow. do, we do have the weekly recitation, but it becomes real when now it's a patch with a perk on your jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so you have gamified the core values. That is yeah. awesome. <laughs> wow. That's that one. So yeah, that's, that's, because like with millennials and the younger generation, the thing is, we have come to the realization. I'm, I'm a millennial. That's why I use the word we. We have come to, to the realization that unfortunately, core values, the mission statement, the vision statement, they're just writings on the wall. Hmm. And yeah. as the leader of your organization, unfortunately, it is on your shoulders to make sure prove them wrong. Yeah. That wow. you're different. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Sean. Wow. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad you shared that, Sean. I yeah. think that is, that is a great bow. And it, it reminded me of a conversation I had probably nine or 10 years ago. I was brought in to speak, well, not speak, just talk with uh, um, a group that was in a uh, MBA program at a university. And this professor had a reputation of unusual things. And Craig, you'll appreciate this. He brought me in and he said, are you okay without a script? <laughs> I said, I prefer it. So yeah. they said at the end, he looks at me, I've been asking, answering questions, sharing a little of my story. And he looks at me and he said, Jeff, um, you know what I think would be great? Why don't you do a mock interview with somebody? <laughs> I mean, we hadn't even talked about interviews. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, Oh, I know what it was. I had said, I think it's important to ask, ask different questions in an interview. And he said, well, Jeff, do it. <laughs> Hot seat. Oh, wow. I said, okay, yeah. great. And so this, one, this one young man volunteered. And there's two questions that I really like in interviews. One is, <clears throat> I want you to envision that we hire you. And a year from now, we fired you. Mm -hmm. you, fa you failed in this position. Tell me why you failed. Mm. Um, and for me, that's about some self-awareness about what are wow. their, what are their blind spots or the challenge areas? What's their history? But, and he answered that wow. question. Someone else answered that question. And, and, and <laughs> actually the same guy answered that question and he didn't really answer it. And I, I got done. I got, eh, okay, you failed that question. <laughs> he didn't really answer my question. Yeah. But then the second question was, tell me something about yourself that you don't want me to know. And I've gotten some pushback on that question because some people have said, well, you can't, 
asked that, I said, absolutely, I can. I've talked to lawyers about it because I'm, they're going to tell me what they want to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get to decide. And this young man said, he got really quiet and he said, you know, and there's 25 students in here. He said, I got to tell you, when I came here as a freshman, I was a high performing high school student and college was a lot harder than I thought. I was overwhelmed. I'd always been successful and here I was failing. And he said, my freshman year, I cheated on an exam Hmm. and I'm still not over it. And I'm, I'm still carrying that with me that I did that. And it reminds me that I can do things that I don't believe in. I can, I'm capable of it. And he got done. And I looked at the group and said, who wants to hire him? <laughs> and everybody's hand, only about half the people's hands went up. And I said to the rest of them, I said, you just missed it. Yeah. This is who you want on the team. Yeah. Because this is somebody who knows what humility is. This is someone who's willing to tell the truth. I mean, he just outed himself in front of his fellow students and in front of this professor. And he's yeah. telling you that he learned from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what you're looking for is that, yeah. that kind of answer. And, So I applaud you for being intentional with your people and loving on your people and putting them first in your actions, not just your word. You know, you're the kind of leader that makes a difference and gets that he's still learning and has people around him who are going to make him, make him better. So good on you. Good on you. Well, we're, um, yeah, you know, it's the team. It's not me at all. If I took myself out of the equation, they'd, I think they'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because I think that happens, doesn't challenged. it? <laughs> I think they'll be more challenged that, hey, you know, Sean's out. We have to step up. That's uh, what I think. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I might be mistaken, but that's what I think. Yeah. So, Sean, we always ask our guests is there anything in particular you want to promote or highlight for our listeners? I want only to promote things that are of value to your listeners. So if you guys enjoyed or learned from my story and you want more of it, I have my book, CEO at 22. I was 22 years old when I started SEO Hacker. So again, the book's titled CEO at 22. You can buy it from my website or on Amazon. And or if you are on the scaling up stage, you're done, you're done with the startup stage, or you have survived the first three to five years, you can look at my next book, which was written and published this year, 2020. Uh, the title is 50X Your Business. And why the title is 50X is because I was a one-man team when I started. We're 50-man now. And wow. I think that's a 50X growth, right? If my math is correct. So 50X Your Business. <laughs> that's on Amazon uh, only. It's an Amazon KDP, so you can't find it anywhere else. Just look for 50X Your Business by Sean C. Okay. Awesome. We'll wow. make sure that gets put in the show notes. Um, so how, how do people reach out to you, Sean? I mean, obviously we'll put the website uh, in there, which is SEO Hacker, right? Yeah. You can put my website, um, Sean.C, S-E-A-N.S-I. The .C is a European country. I bought it from there, but it's my surname as well. So thank God Google recognized that because they were not <laughs> ranking me well here in the Philippines. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sean.C, you can check out um, that website. I'm there. You can read stuff about me. My blog is there. And if you're looking for my podcast, we are Leadership Stack on Spotify and YouTube. 
Spotify, it's the same stuff, Spotify and YouTube. It's just that if you're driving, you need audio, it's on Spotify. If you'd rather watch the interview, which is really just me talking on Zoom and the guest talking on Zoom. So um, you can watch it on YouTube. Gotcha. Fantastic, wow. Sean. And we always close with uh, one of our signature questions. And the one I'm going to ask you about today, based upon your wall, is movies. So what movie or scene or quote or character speaks to you about leadership? Leadership? Um, I'm cheating. My answer is going to be Tony Stark. <laughs> so, you we're talking about yeah. failure as well as success, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it wasn't portrayed. I don't know if it's a, probably never going to be portrayed in the movie, but one thing in the comics that I love about him is there's this entire saga called Dark Reign where Norman Osborn or the Green Goblin mm -hmm. became head of S.H.I.E.L.D. So really? Nick Fury was MIA. He just disappeared. And um, I'm not going to share the entire plot, but for some re reason, Norman Osborn up there, first thing that he wanted to get was the mind of Tony Stark. Hmm. And since in that time, Tony Stark was already a kind of a biological, technological human. He evolved, he changed his DNA. In the movie Iron Man 3, I don't know if you've watched that, but the extremist virus, so Killian was the, um, the um, anti-hero or the antagonist. That virus he injected upon himself in the comic. Mm. And what Tony Stark did was to make sure that the virus would alter his DNA so that he can interface with the internet and his own suit. Hmm. So he's, he's kind of like a biotech human being. And so Norman Osborn <laughs> wanted to go after Tony Stark's brain. What Tony Stark did was write a code that would erase his brain, store it somewhere super safe, and then just erase it. And his entire body just became vegetable. So he sacrificed himself that way. Wow. I know in the movie he died, which sucks more than in the comics, <laughs> but I like how a guy with a very big ego at the beginning, because he's a billionaire, right? I, I mean, in, Tony, in, in Iron Man 1, he says, billionaire, philanthropist, playboy. That's how he described himself. But at, at the end of it, in, the, in Endgame, he, even though he had a lot to lose, he had a wife and daughter, more to lose, actually, than when he was a playboy, billionaire philanthropist. He made the tough decision to sacrifice himself. Hmm. So I think leadership is all about sacrifice. And sacrifice is the same word as passion. Passion comes from the Latin word pati, which means sacrifice, literally. I didn't know that. Yeah, so if people tell me that I'm passionate about something, and I tell them, how long are you willing to work? Are you willing to work like 24 hours for that? And they say no. Then I say, you're not really passionate for it, about it because you're not willing to sacrifice for it where the word passion is derived from. So that's why we have the movie entitled Passion of the Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Because literally passion means sacrifice. So okay. the, the movie means sacrifice of the Christ. That's what it means. Mm. And so as a leader, it's your job to insert passion, your own passion, and passionate people into your organization. If you don't do that, if you don't insert people who are willing to sacrifice themselves, hey, guess what? 
it's going to be politics 101. Yeah. Everyone's going to be looking after their, their own interests. Right. So it's going to be toxic, bad, and no, no one's going to work, want to work for that, even you. That was a great wrap-up of a great conversation. Thanks for all your wisdom that you shared, Sean, and thank you for the way that you lead your people. You're making a difference in the world. Yep. Thank you for having me, and I hope you guys learned a lot. That's two-in-one. You have to watch Endgame and Iron Man 1 and 3 now. <laughs> <laughs> that was good if you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cardivera Tribe. The Cardivera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cardivera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cardivera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cardivera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.